All right, our scripture reading today is from Isaiah 41 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Caitlin. Well, as we turn our attention to this text, this beautiful text from Isaiah chapter 40, we want to begin uh, this time in our service just by praying and asking for us to hear afresh uh, these words of, of comfort that God speaks to his people. So let's do that now. Father in heaven, I pray that as we listen to these words that you spoke so many years ago through your prophet Isaiah, that we would uh, sense that comfort uh, in fresh ways today from you as we tune our hearts and our minds uh, to what you would have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, by his power. Amen. Nothing but gray. Nothing but gray. I, I was alone, neck craned to the sky, hoping, uh, hoping for a breeze, any sign that the, that the high blanket of clouds above would begin to drift away. You see, this is the moment I have been waiting for, uh, anticipating most on our uh, national park vacation uh, this summer. I know it's another national park story, guys. You just got to bear with me on this. Um, we were at Capitol Reef National Park. It's one of the, the most remote of the national parks in Utah, and it has some of the darkest night skies anywhere in the country, so far from any light pollution. So I was really hoping to see uh, all of these stars for a clear night without any clouds so that I could see the millions of stars that you can only see when you're in a place that, that's, that, that is that dark. And I, I was hoping for this uh, right here. That's a picture of Capitol Reef on a clear night. Just incredible sight of the stars that fill the sky there. But as I stood there in the pitch black of the Utah desert, alone, staring at the clouds. Um, there was nothing to see. And, and in fact, it was past my bedtime, which is probably the worst part of it, because I'm kind of a in bed, under the covers, trying to fall asleep uh, by about 9.30 kind of guy. And in the summer in Utah, and the sun isn't setting until almost 9, and then you don't get a really dark sky until almost 11. Um, and so, you know, here I am, it's 10 o'clock at night, 
past my bedtime after a day of driving, hoping for stars. Nothing. Just a blanket of gray clouds. It was a bummer. Now, of course, in the grand scheme of life and all the things that could go wrong, I mean, this is a pretty minor thing. This is not a big deal. Not in the grand scheme of life. But, but I think it's a, a picture of, of kind of those bigger things in our lives, right? The, the moments when we, we plan, we prepare, we, we design our lives to look a certain way. We expect our lives to turn out along a certain trajectory. And, and sometimes things do work out for a while. They, they seem to unfold like we want. But then the clouds begin to drift overhead And just like that, everything that we had planned for, we hoped for, seems obscured. Maybe it's a relationship that starts to crumble. Or your career starts to fall apart. Maybe it's your health. Or you find out you have to relocate for your job. Or maybe it's trouble with kids and your parenting. You never thought it would be like this. Or... Just trouble in your own heart, your own soul, depression settling in. You know, and sometimes we bring that stuff on ourselves. Other times it just happens. And either way, though, we're left in those moments feeling like this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And some of us are there right now, and, and you have this sense of, I, I just I want to go home. I want to go home to that place where... You don't have to worry where you can rest, where you're safe. All those things that home ought to be. And of course, we're not the first ones to have felt this as people. God's people during the time of Isaiah felt this same longing for home as well. And last week we began a series as we entered into the season of Advent and Christmas, and we're calling it Coming Home. So I invite you to, to turn to Isaiah if you uh, aren't already there. Um, you can grab one of the pew Bibles. It's kind of roughly in the middle. Uh, also feel free to use the table of contents. That's what it's there for, Isaiah. Um, it's a long book in the middle. And Isaiah, he was a prophet about 700 years before Jesus was born, um, roughly 740 to 680 B.C. And, and he wrote about a time uh, and, and wrote at a time when God's people were in all-out rebellion against God. It was a terrible time. It was after the death of King David's son Solomon. Um, the, the kingdom after Solomon's death had, had split into two parts. So in the north, you had a group of tribes, and they were known as Israel. And in the south, you had tribes called Judah. So the, the kingdom had fractured. And in 722 BC, those northern tribes, Israel, was conquered by the Assyrian Empire. And they were dragged off from their homes into exile in a brutal conquest. You know, that would be like for us here in Kansas City, if all of a sudden the, the Canadians invaded and, and just completely took over uh, Nebraska and Iowa, and now we've watched all this happen just to the north. The enemy is poised there. It was a big deal. And Isaiah knew that the same was coming for them. A conquest by an enemy nation was on the horizon for them. He had watched it happen. He knew it was coming for them. And so the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are full of warnings and judgments. 
And what do God's people do? Uh, The same thing we tend to do when the clouds begin to overtake us. They begin to look for comfort, for ways to comfort themselves. And in you and I, we we do that, right? We we sort of self-medicate with food or sex or vacation. We we either frantically overwork trying to, to manage ourselves, handle everything on our own, or we just disengage. We just keep hitting the snooze button each morning, try to delay just another nine minutes a day that we feel like we cannot face. We turn to power and control, or we turn to distraction and denial, right? And even here in the holidays, right, what, what's the, the mantra, right? It's, it's treat yourself, find a little comfort, treat yourself, and yet always it leaves us looking for more, right? In that, in that sense of, of looking for comfort and then it leaving you feeling like you want something more, it starts early, I was, I was reminded of that just this week because last week when we had celebrated Thanksgiving um, with Rachel's family, we also did a Christmas gift exchange because we weren't going to all be together at Christmas. And so on Thanksgiving morning, we also exchanged Christmas presents. And, and our oldest daughter, Lucy, she got a pretty good haul of new toys on that, that morning. Brought home. But it was just a few nights later. It was Monday night of this week. That she called me into her room. They were already in bed. She was looking at American Girl doll catalog. And she, keep in mind, she just three or four days before got a bunch of new toys. And she said, Dad, you got to look at this set. This is the one. This is the one I really want. You know, this is, this is the one. I, this is the best toy. And I was actually, I was sad in that moment. Uh, not because she had done anything wrong, but because I just, I saw myself reflected in back in her you know because I do that still right we still do that we have all this stuff and yet we see that catalog we look for something else I mean last week I spent probably two hours uh, watching YouTube videos and reading reviews to to find the perfect uh, pocket knife to put on my Christmas list for this year I mean I'm doing the same things because we always want a little bit more We all look for comfort, right? And and chances are, if you're anything like me, we often spend a lot of our time looking for it in the wrong places. So Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you feel encouraged today. (laughs) Right, but like, wait a second. This is Advent. There's Christmas lights. Isn't this supposed to be a joyful time of year? And yes, because actually Isaiah is one of my favorite books in all of the Bible because it is a book that is full of promise and hope that constantly is pointing us to Jesus and God's grace and mercy. Actually, the, the prophet's name, Isaiah, literally means Yahweh is salvation. The Lord is salvation. That's what Isaiah means. And when you get to Isaiah chapter 40, the first 39 chapters are rough, but you get to Isaiah chapter 40 and everything changes. Isaiah 40 begins with Isaiah writing to the people as if they've already been exiled. They've already left their homes, been forced from their homes And the first words that are out of God's mouth in that moment, the very first thing that he speaks is comfort. And and not just once, but twice. A power of repetition in the poetry. Comfort, comfort my people. Even in the darkest moments, God speaks comfort. Even when we don't want him. Or we try to find sources of comfort everywhere but in him, he still comes after and pursues us with comfort. 
If you only take one thing with you from today, I hope it is this. And that is that only God has the comfort that you need. That only God has the comfort that you need. And when God speaks comfort to our wounded souls, even if our circumstances don't change, we get glimpses. Maybe just momentary, but we get glimpses of the stars that are just beyond that blanket of clouds. So let's take a closer look at the the poetry that's here in Isaiah chapter 40. It's so beautiful, so dense. Um, And the first thing that we see here is that our homeless hearts, they long for comfort. And last week, Pastor Henry did a great job setting the stage for this, that that we've left home, that we've left the place that God made for us. It's not that he left us, that we left him, that we're left with a sense of longing. So imagine in that moment what it's like for God's people to hear these words of comfort. Yes, we, we ran away from him. Yes, we brought this on ourselves. We know that sense of shame. But God says to them in that moment, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now there's two ways we use that word comfort, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the one is about ease, the absence of pain, a comfortable life. And, and, and that's not what God is promising to his people here. Not that kind of comfort. Uh, the kind of comfort he's promising, this is the kind of comfort it's like when you've had a terrible day at school and your mom just holds you at the end of the day. Isaiah actually picks up on this maternal image of comfort later on in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 12, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. It's the kind of comfort that when when everything is falling apart, a good friend comes over, doesn't try to fix it, just sits with you in that moment. It's the sort of comfort that that Jacob, one of the, the founding fathers of Israel, refused to receive when he thought Joseph, his his beloved son, had been killed by wild animals. It says he refused to be comforted. It's the kind of comfort that Joseph, who actually was alive all the whole time in Egypt, extends to his brothers when they think Joseph is going to kill us for what we did to him. Instead of revenge, Joseph, the text tells us, comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So when you feel that sense of, of homelessness, that longing for home inside, and yet for a moment, just for a moment, you get a, a, just a sense of God's presence and he encourages you. And that's the comfort we're talking about here. Verse 2 Keep looking down. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. And that, that word warfare there, it doesn't actually speak even so much to the battle, but they, you, some translations you even got something like forced labor or hard service. It's the picture of, of a military draft that you've been conscripted into service against your will, that we've kind of been bound up. And that's our... our, our our state as, a, as human beings, that we're stuck in this, this bondage to sin. But that's coming to an end. Our sin has been pardoned. Yes, the things around us are not as they should be, but that will end. Then down to verse 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be lifted up. Every 
mountain will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. The rough places made plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, when you read those images, those metaphors in the text, you, you may think, wait, what's going on here? Raise up the valleys? Smash down the mountains? It's like God's trying to turn Colorado into Kansas here. I don't know if you've been to Colorado, but the mountains are pretty amazing. I don't want them to go away. So what's, what's going on here? Well, it's, it's just a metaphor, but, but, but think about it, right? Have you ever driven through the mountains? You know, compare that to the flattest sections of I-70 in Kansas. Now try and do that on foot. Again, it's, it's just a metaphor, but God is saying, I am coming to rescue my people and I am going to remove any obstacle that's in my way so I can get there as fast as I can. In fact, the Gospel of Luke, proclaiming the arrival of Jesus, uses the very same words. John the Baptist is the voice crying from the wilderness as Jesus, God himself, comes to get us. Because of the the warfare and the pain, because of our sin and shame, regardless of what you believe, our homeless hearts, they long for comfort. And the second thing we see here is that only God can speak the words that we want to hear. That only God can speak the words that we long to hear. But we look for comfort everywhere else, don't we? I mean, I know, just thinking in my own life, I, you, know, you get home after a hard day, a long day, and it's like somehow without even thinking, you, know, you kind of, you find yourself, I find myself in the kitchen opening the cabinet just looking for something sweet to eat. Or opening the fridge and eyeing that cold beer in the back. Or wanting to just kind of sit down and melt into the screen of my smartphone. Right? And in food and drink and distraction, they can provide a measure of comfort for a time, but they don't last. They don't last over the long term. Look at verse 6. You get this sort of temporal nature of who we are as humans. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh. That's all, all humanity, us as humans. All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You and I, we are like grass. Compared to all of time, we're just here in a moment and then gone. We're prone to error. This is part of the the cloud that is over us. And that language there of our our beauty is like the flower, it's probably better even translated as as our faithfulness or our loyalty is like the flower. We're just so fickle in our faithfulness. We're ultimately unreliable. But then the contrast to God's word just steadfast, sure, that remains forever, no matter what. What God says stands forever. 
Because anybody can say comfort. Anybody can tell you it's going to be okay. But the, 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 what matters is can they deliver on the promise? Right? Anybody can tell you it's going to be fine, but can they deliver on the promise? It reminds me of a night a couple of weeks ago when Rachel was gone at the Y. She was working out and I was holding Graham. He was about two and a half months old at that point and uh, he was getting hungry. And he started kind of fussing, and the fussing turned to crying, and the crying turned to screaming. And I kept telling him, like, Graham, it's going to be okay, buddy. You know, mom is coming home soon. She's going to feed you. And he just kept screaming. Those words of comfort for me did not do much for him. But right the moment that Rachel came home and took, her, took him in her arms, even before she fed him, he settled down. And she was kind of saying the same things like, that's okay, buddy, I'm going to feed you. But it's like he knew. He's like, Dad, you can say it's going to be okay all you want, but I know you don't have anything for me. You don't have any food for me. I don't, you, you, I don't believe your promise. But Mom, the moment he took her, took him in her arms, he was comforted, right? And, and every time we turn to food or shopping or alcohol or family or vacation or Netflix to comfort us, what we are really saying in those moments, really saying in those moments is, I want God. I want God so desperately. But this is easier. This is faster. You know, it's easier to open up Instagram than it is to stop and pray. What our hearts are crying out in those moments is, I want God. Those other things, they just seem easier. They seem faster in the, in the moment. And I need to remember this because one of my biggest struggles, and maybe you can relate in faith, is just, just seems like God works so slowly sometimes. Things I've been praying for, the things I want to have happen, and, and begin to think, I've been praying about this. God, I've been, you've made these promises in your word. When are you going to deliver on this? Have you forgotten about this? Have you forgotten about me? Are, are you even really real? It seems like just taking too long. And then you get to Isaiah 40, and I'm reminded, we are like grass. We're so temporary. We're so fleeting. We're so in the moment. But God is forever. His word stands for forever. We're so immediate. God thinks long term. Because imagine this. Let's say that Isaiah wrote these words in 686 BC. Just probably roughly about when he's doing some of this writing. Now it's going to be another hundred years before the Babylonian Empire comes and takes Judah into exile. And it's going to be another 50 years after that until they return from exile. And it's going to be another 500 plus years until Jesus is born. And then here we are, 2,000 years after Jesus' birth, waiting for him to return again. You know, God's clock, his timetable just works differently than ours. We have to remember that which means that we may not experience the fullness of his comfort in this lifetime. We may die with prayers unanswered, with dreams unfulfilled. But the promise is that one day we will experience the fullness of his comfort, even if not fully in this life. When God speaks comfort, even if you have to wait for it, 
you can bet your life on it because his word stands forever. Only he has the comfort that you need. And here's the thing, when God says comfort, everything begins to change, even if it doesn't. And that's the last thing. Everything changes even if it doesn't. Because listen to what Isaiah says, starting in verse 9. If God says comfort and we believe his promise of comfort, what should we do? Verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain. O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd, and He will gather the lambs in His arms, and He will carry them in His bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Now, maybe you sort of tilted your head when I said that main point there that when God speaks comfort, everything changes even if it doesn't. doesn't does that even make sense? And, but here's what I mean by that. The point is when God speaks comfort to us, our circumstances might not immediately change. Your circumstances might not change. But when you have the promise of comfort, the way that you relate to those circumstances, the way that you view them begins to change radically. So even if nothing changes, everything can begin to change if you believe the promise of comfort. And there are two responses here if we're listening. First, be comforted. Find your comfort in these promises. These promises of Isaiah, and we're going to look at a bunch more during this series. In this place, Christmas is the promise that God will put an end to all of our sorrow and shame, that the clouds one day will part, that you will make it home, and not to a a disembodied heaven with harps and wings, and not that, but a, a true home, a renewed heavens, a renewed earth with a new body that won't grow old, that won't get sick, where every tear is wiped away. And what I couldn't get over as I, as I studied these verses is the two incredible pictures that you get in those final verses um, in kind of 10 and 11 there. They, they just lodged in my mind and they, they really began to move my heart this week. Two seemingly sort of completely opposite metaphors for God. On the one hand, a fierce warrior, and on the other, a tender shepherd. On the one hand, you have God as a fierce warrior. He comes with strength, with might. His arm rules for him, the text says. And the the metaphor of the arm in the Bible pictures God's strength, his ability to get stuff done, his power. But notice there are two arms in those verses. There's the arm of power, the arm to rule. But then there's the arms that pick up the lamb and carry. Gently carries it close to his chest, tucked safely in his arms. And I thought of that verse 11, the shepherd that picks up that lamb in his arms all, all week as I've carried Graham and held him. This precious little baby boy. He's so helpless, so little. I'm just wrapping him in my arms, looking down at him, watching him smile. Friends, don't you know? That that's how Jesus 
the great shepherd of the sheep. That's how he thinks of each and every one of you. It's what he longs to do is to carry you in his arms. To hold you close. He's promised that no one will ever be able to snatch you out of his arms. Why? Because he's a powerful warrior. He's he's strong. He's going to fight for you, but he's tender. He's strong enough to provide the comfort and the safety that you need, and he's near enough to you, close enough to you, to understand what you need, to hold you close, to carry you. But how do we find that comfort? How do we let him come near to us? Well, first, a big part of this is we need to identify those pseudo-comforts that we turn to instead of him. We've, we've talked about a number of them in this message already. Things like money, food, shopping, work, Netflix, all those things. There's nothing fundamentally bad about those things, but they do not provide the comfort that we're longing for. And what we need to do to find comfort is to see God, to behold him, to be reminded of his promises, to work them from not just into sort of this, like, I have this fact stored away that God speaks comfort, but allow that comfort to be worked into my heart so that I feel it. Because did you catch that in verse 9? This, this comes up over and over again in this, this text, this idea. But verse 9, Judah, cities of Judah, behold your God. When does comfort come? When we see God for who he truly is. In his love and his sacrifice and his mercy for us. So how do we behold God? How do we see him? By meditating on passages like this in Isaiah. By letting them move not just to, into our, our, our minds, but deep into our hearts to, to memorize them, to, to read the scriptures, to pray. Don't take the shortcuts. Right? When you begin to feel that longing for comfort, when you're tempted to just turn on Netflix or reach for that dessert or whatever it might be, Pay attention in those moments, you know, because it's, it's easier, right? It is easier to sit down and turn on, for me, a documentary on Netflix. That's what I like to watch on Netflix. Then to go up to my room and kneel down for a minute and, and just to pray. You can still go down and watch the Netflix after you pray, but pay attention in those moments. Don't take the shortcuts. They just leave you ending up feeling further away not giving you the comfort that you need. Only God has the comfort that you need. Okay, the second response is this. First, be comforted. And second, be comfort. Be God's comfort to others. Lift up your voice. You are a herald of good news. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. Tell the world that we have found. We found what you're looking for. We found the comfort that you long for. He was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago in a manger. People are looking for that comfort. It's in every song, every TV show, conversation that success can't give it to you, your investments can't give it to you, the, the perfect family, if somehow that even existed somewhere, can't give it to you. But we have it. We found it. 
There is comfort here. If you're with Jesus with grace and patience and humility, there is comfort and hope and forgiveness. So who will you tell? Who will you comfort? And you know, around the holidays, it's, it's just a tiny bit easier, I think, to invite people to come to church. Just a little bit easier. Or, or an even easier invite, and we, Carolyn mentioned it here in the announcements earlier, is the Christmas jazz concert. Maybe you have a friend, a coworker. it's like, I don't know if they, I don't know if they'd want to come to a church service on a Sunday morning, but invite them to the Christmas jazz concert on that Saturday, December 15th. Just give them a taste of, of what it's like in this place. It's why we organize events like that, to invite friends and neighbors who might not otherwise want to come on a Sunday morning, but hey, maybe I'll go to a concert on a Friday night, Saturday night. Invite them to come with you, to listen for the comfort that you've received. Because friends, again, our God does not just speak comfort from far off. He doesn't just speak comfort and, and is so distant from us. No, he comes to be with us. The one who made us has come to live with us. For Jesus left all the comforts of home, all the comforts of heaven to make a way for us. He suffered so that we could be healed. He took our sins so that we could be forgiven. He died in our place so that we could live. Jesus on the cross, he refused to be comforted so that we could be comforted. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out. He was tossed from the Father's bosom so that we could be held close. He was abandoned in the wilderness so that we could be gently led home. Friends, this is the God that we worship and serve and he longs to speak comfort to you. Maybe for the very first time. Perhaps you've been running from him, but it's not working. You know it's not working. And comfort is knocking at the door. Maybe it's today that you hear his silent voice speaking words of comfort, would you let him in? Or for others of you, it's the 10,000th the time that you've come to him for comfort. May it come again afresh and new for you this morning. And here's the thing. It might not all work out tomorrow or next week. It may not work out in this life. You know, that night as I stood staring at that cloudy sky in Capitol Reef National Park, I never did get to see the stars. I just stayed up really late looking at clouds and drove home. You don't always get to see the stars. But we can, if we listen, hear the voice. The voice of the one who calls out the stars each night by name. The voice who speaks comfort to his people and to all who will stop running and rest in his embrace. Experience that comfort. Our fierce warrior, our tender shepherd who whispers, I have what you're looking for. The comfort you need. For one day all this mess will be gone. The clouds will part and you will experience a beauty, a glory when you behold me fully and it will outweigh every affliction that you have right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that now as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper communion together, 
that even in the act of tasting, touching, experiencing communion, that we would not just know your comfort in our minds as a fact, but that we'd experience your comfort as a reality in our emotions, that we would give a sense, that our affections would be moved by your promise of comfort to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit who comforts us. In Jesus' name, amen.